0: welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message.
1: Thank you, Katie. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Wow. Who's enjoying this morning so far? We can't just ignore Father's Day, can we? Got to have a little bit for everybody. And that's what we intend to do this morning. In a little while, we've got a couple of dedications to do, which would be fantastic. But uh, we thought, being it's Father's Day and all, that it'd be a good opportunity for us to talk about some family matters. And the reason we feel to talk about some family matters is because family matters. Who would agree with me that family matters? Family should matter, because family matters to God. In actual fact, someone once said that as the family, so the church. And as the church, so the nation. I believe in order for us to have the world in which God intended us to live, we must first get our families right. And so this morning, what I thought I would do is get a couple of people up here to help me preach this morning. And uh, I thought, who better than to get to help me preach this morning than my two brothers? Because they, along with myself, have got a story to tell. And it's a real privilege this morning for me to get Pete and Baz up here on stage with me Because what you're about to see and what you're about to hear, unfortunately, is not that normal. Brothers living together, brothers working together, brothers enjoying one another, brothers overcoming conflict. So would you please stand with me as we welcome Pete and Ian, otherwise known as Baz Rainbow, to the platform. That'd be great. Grab a seat, fellas. That would be excellent. This is, this is Baz, my younger brother. Here's, here's a bit of trivia for you. His, na- his real name is actually Ian. Shock. But we call him Baz. Who would like to know why? You can ask him later. Story's just too long but he's the youngest one but he's the tallest and the hairiest one of all of us me and Pete can't grow a beard like that to save ourselves but the younger one can so that is awesome so please take a seat Baz we're going to hear from you a little bit uh later and uh this is Pete Pete's the older wiser nicer one of all of us so if you'll take a seat Pete that would be great and uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to hear from both of them today and talk about some family matters. How does that sound? But before we get into that, I thought I would just uh, talk about some of the, the top dad quotes. These are things that uh, our dad said to us many times, and I'm sure many dads out there can identify with this, and I'm sure some of the kids can too. Quote number one, ask your mother. Yeah, cool. Um, quote number two. Don't worry, it's only blood. <laughs> Quote number three: Do I look like I'm made of money? <laughs> this one you're gonna laugh. Quote number four: <laughs> uh, I'm not sleeping. I was watching that TV show. <laughs> number five. I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. <laughs> Number six, a little dirt never hurt anyone, just wipe it off. Three second rule and all that sort of stuff. Number seven, you're going to love this man, particularly those in the corvette. No, we're not lost. <laughs> How many days have ever said that? We're not lost. Never lost. Men are never lost. Number whatever it is, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, I've lost count. Eight, thanks Pete, the, the smart one as well, he's a smart one. Um,
2: Sorry, what are we talking about again?
1: <laughs> Back in your box. I can't, I can't remember, I, I can't remember either, I just, whatever it is, what is it Pete, what, what are you up to? Eight, number eight, no we're not there yet. <laughs> And my last quote for the day, for the sake of time, and we could go on and on and on, but the last one, for the sake of time, don't make me stop this car. (laughs) Any dad's guilty of saying any of those things? Come on, let me see the hands, come on, there we go, fantastic, excellent, all good, all good, all good and all fun. And so we trust that this morning, as you hear from us, you'll be blessed and encouraged as we talk about some family matters. But first, let me hand over to Pete as he talks about some family values. Let's give it up for Pete. Well, I hope you're all well.
0: You know that uh, Tone, Baz and I were all born at a very early age. Not too, far, not too far from here, we actually grew up just almost a big stone's throw that way. And in fact, did a lot of you know just growing. In fact, it's, I'm surprised that I'm still here, to be honest. When I was just a few weeks old, we grew up in a very different time as well than today. When I was just a few weeks old, some of you may have heard this, but You know, mums used to take their babies to the shops and park them out the front, the prams and stuff, and they'd go and do their shopping, and all the babies would like, just up here at Parahills, mum went and got me some nappies, came home, no baby to put the nappy on. I was left at the shops. So she ran back up, I was still there, brought me home, it's all good, nothing to worry about. But, uh, you know, things were different when we grew up, and we did have a lot of freedom, and we really enjoyed ourselves, and... I can remember as a five-year-old and my three-wheeler, my blue three-wheeler, my mate on his purple three-wheeler, and we were we, we owned this place. We were all over Parahills, Hills, Mum. You know, as long as we were back by dinner time, Mum didn't mind. Um, just over the paddocks here, it was just it had just been established, and it was a great spot for for little kids to go and you know caught a lot of fish there, a lot of yabbies, a lot of frogs, and just spent hours and hours down there. Again, all good as long as you're home by dinner. It was just awesome growing up in this particular area, and. Um, you know, I, I really, we didn't grow up in a Christian home, but we grew up in a home that was built on Christian values. We didn't grow up in a, in a traditional Christian home, church and all that sort of stuff. We grew up in, very much in a home that had um, Christian values. Okay, much of my mum and my dad instilled in us, certainly even before dad started going to church, was based on Christian values, on the Ten Commandments, do unto others as you have them do unto you, etc., etc. We grew up with a definite sense of right and wrong. And so I just want to just mention a few values that both mum and dad instilled in us, but particularly I guess some of those things that, that dad instilled into me because it's Father's Day. But the first thing really is about love and the fact that love is both tough and tender. You know, we grew up in a home where there was lots of... Positive physical contact. You know, that we, we hug, I mean, still, we hug and we kiss dad and he hugs and kisses us. Um, not so much anymore with the wrestling, but we always used to be jumping on dad and, you know, beating him up, or at least we thought we were. He was just giving us a go. But, you know, and Baz would always hurt him. Or was it me? I, I, anyway, someone would go a bit too far all the time. Um, but, you know, there was definitely that, that physical rough and tumble sort of aspect. Um, and But at the same time, it wasn't a smothering love. There was definitely a lot of affection shown in our family. But as I mentioned before, the fact we had a lot of freedom in our lives, we definitely weren't smothered as we got. We were given a lot of room. And we did a lot of of dangerous things. You know, we we had that tree house you saw on the... You know, we had one not as good as that. (laughs) Far more dangerous. It would never get... Uh, you know, OH&S approved in our front yard, but it was awesome, and all the kids in the neighbourhood loved it. We built a cubby house once out of bricks and used mud for um, for, cement. for cement. It was awesome. It wasn't quite tall enough, so we thought we'd dig it out a little bit inside. Um, all fun until the neighbours, uh, our, our friend's mum, came over had a look at it because we were just sort of showing it off how proud he was. He was banned from coming over our house. Until we put that thing demolished. It was, it was so bad. But, you know, Dad just allowed us to explore and do a whole bunch of things. And it was awesome. Um, you know, we were able to express ourselves. And, and like I said, I remember going to Kangaroo Island once. And, you know, there's always... There was, we had a lot of freedom, but there were boundaries in place. And they're always for our good. I remember going to Kangaroo Island once, and I love spearfishing. And Dad said, you can go out and spearfish. And, but as long as you don't go past those rocks over there. So, of course, what happens... I see this massive flathead that I'm sort of trying to spear... Cause I knew it was dad's favourite fish and I wanted to please dad by catching this fish. Anyway, I ended up way past the rocks with this fish that I'm trying to stab into the ground. It was one of those big long spears. Dad had to come and rescue me as waves are crashing over me, but I wasn't going to let the fish go. And so, you know, there were boundaries, and I learned, you know, the boundaries are there for our good. And, um, you know, so there was plenty of stuff, you know, that we could do, but in our house you we were never allowed to get away with being inconsiderate or disrespectful, And, you know, like I said, coming home late was inconsiderate. Speaking back, disrespectful. There was a whole bunch of loving going on in our house, a whole bunch of good times and good feelings and all that sort of stuff. But if you wanted to, you know, change all that up pretty quick, start to get disrespectful or inconsiderate. And dad would be on you in a flash. There was definitely, we were brought up up in a home you know, spared the rod, spoil the child. Mum actually literally had a rod, a little green piece of cane. They used to psychologically intimidate us from this, just leaned up in the corner of the house next to the. Move but even. On, move on. But even, even beyond that, there was the dreaded wait till your father gets home. <laughs> Mate, You didn't want to get there, I tell you. Our, you know, that didn't need to smack us too much, but when he did, it counted. Um, but, you know, the thing about that is that. It, there was always a follow-up visit. We'd be in our bedrooms, whimpering and crying under our quilts or whatever, and, and Dad would come up, and, and he would always reaffirm his love for us. He'd always talk about why what we did was wrong, and the fact that, that um, you know that, that, like I said he loved us, and that it was for our good, etc. And the fact is, that it was great as a kid to grow up and have that thing finished there and then. You know, Dad just put a stop to a whole bunch of stuff. He, he just reaffirmed very, very quickly where the boundaries were. You don't step over it. You stay on that side and it's all good. And so, so the peace of the home was restored. Um, the air was cleared, so to speak, and we could all move on together. And that's what I loved. One of the things that was really great about um, just that ability to put stuff behind and to always move on. And I think you know, if you don't discipline and if you don't sort of put a stop to stuff and then come back and say, okay, clean start, well, then you live in an atmosphere that, that's obviously not clear, that's not healthy. And certainly not um, full of acceptance and love. All right. The second thing I loved about, or the, the value that I think I, I learnt from Dad, is just that of consistency. I mentioned the fact that we didn't grow up in the church, like, like many children are doing here. And when Dad became a Christian, he was thirty-eight years old, which would of age, which would have put me at about six. And I remember we used to go along to Sunday school a little bit around about that time. But Dad. Um, while he had had an encounter with God and, and loved what he was he realized that perhaps in the church that he was going to, there wasn't a lot for us. And I love the fact that he exercised wisdom in not dragging along us, us along to church and making us go to something that possibly would have been detrimental to us. Nothing, it, was, it was nothing like what we've got here. But what he did do was he brought his faith home. And every night he would read us the Bible, and he would, and he just demonstrated in so many different ways that Jesus was a priority in his life. We saw him reading his Bible every morning. We would see him, you know, pulling out all stops. We could have a great day at the beach until a certain time. And that time was just enough time to get to church. And suddenly it's pack everything up, throw it in the car, scoot home, throw us out on the way, and then to church. Sport, as Tone's mentioned before, you know. Anything on a Saturday was all good. Anything on a Sunday within reason was all good as long as it wasn't around church because church was dad's priority. And so we, never, we didn't feel neglected. We just understood that dad had met Jesus and Jesus was a priority in his life. And I guess I just want to say on that, you know, parents, don't be thinking, oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, I, I, I thought that I can leave my kids away from church. No, it's not about that. It's about being consistent. It's about living reality. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, fathers don't exasperate your kids. And I think the way that kids are exasperated the most, it's when it's do as I say, not as I do. And there's not a level of consistency or there's hypocrisy. And so again, you know, dad loved being at church. He wanted to be at church. He was serving God in any way that he could possibly do, but he made a decision based on what he thought was for our good. He wasn't looking for an excuse not to go to church by going to our sports and doing everything else. To him, we, we grew up absolutely knowing Jesus was the priority. And every one of us boys in our teenage years all followed dad into, into church and only really got our own personal relationship with God. So I think consistency is absolutely vitally important. Not double standards, not saying one thing, doing the other, etc. And, fir- and the third thing is something that Tony's really spoken to quite a lot about just recently, about the whole thing about perseverance, just staying. Keeping going when you don't think that you can for the sake of others. Not giving up don 't say i can 't finish what you start, etc. I remember you know, one of the privileges I had with Dad, I think possibly it might have been i don 't know why, but I, seen, I remember doing a lot of bushwalks with Dad, and um, you know it 's one of those things you start, you get halfway, you start whinging and complaining like, get up that hill <laughs> we 're going to the top, and then we 're coming back, but we 're not going halfway you know so and, and, you know, we, we all of us as boys, and even mum, I remember getting dragged all across the Eyre Peninsula. You know, dad always had to go around the next corner and see what was over the next hill or around the next clump of rocks on the coastline or whatever. But it was just something that, you know, we just grew up just, I guess, learning to tough it out and just, just get to the end. And, and I love that. And, I, but I, and it was also seen, not just in those sort of things, but obviously just in, in the marriage. We didn't grow up in the most harmonious homes in terms of mum and dad's marriage. And again... You know, we loved our mum and dad. They definitely loved us. And I love the fact that both of them persevered um, with their relationship for the sake of us. And you've got no idea, um, you know, what that did for us as young lads, because it would have devastated us to have to choose between mum or dad. And so the fact that uh, they stayed together, yes, there were some arguments. Yes, we grew up believing in flying saucers and all that sort of stuff, because we saw them in our kitchen. Uh, <laughs> but we're all right, look at us. Hasn't affected us negatively at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but look at us, we're fine. <laughs> so yeah, just those three things. Just, just you know, love has two sides. It's both tough and tender. And just the fact that, of be consistent, and just the fact that, that persevere, don't give up, because all of those things speak something powerful to your kids and, and to our kids, hopefully. Um, and so for us, I certainly grew up with a sense of security. I, sense, I grew up with a sense of value I grew up with a, a great sense of acceptance and ultimately I grew up with a great foundation to actually come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as well so thank you I'm going to introduce my younger brother without using any of his nicknames could you please welcome to the pulpit Ian oh, thanks Pete yeah, that was hard that was so hard, huh?
1: hard yeah, today. To- come on chicken
2: that's one
0: little sausage two
1: <laughs> teeny weeny <laughs>
0: dad
2: they're picking on me alright I'm, uh, I'm the bearded one I'm also the merciful one and Tone actually alluded to the fact he was going to uh, this is my opportunity to you know get some back but I'm far above that. I'm way above that. I don't think it would be right. I don't think it would be right to abuse this pulpit to use use this opportunity to just drag my brothers down. That's you know, what the internet is for. <laughs> www.bazzer'srevenge.com. Check it out. Right. Got to move on. Come on, little sausage. Move on. <laughs> well, I've actually been uh, appropriately asked to speak about family feuds. And people do often comment on the fact that it's, it is unusual, freakishly unusual, unhealthy in fact, no, that uh, we have remained so close over the years as a family, not just brothers but mum and dad, we all do literally live within a five minute drive of each other, our kids are in the same school, we were in the same church, we've worked together and it's very, very close, it has been close and it's fantastic. But as you would probably know, any time when you spend, uh, any occasion you spend time with people... There's always conflict. And when you've been, we're all into our 40s now, and that's a whole lot of conflict and a whole lot of feuds. But we're still walking together. And uh, I just want to reassure you guys, or rest assured, that uh, like all families, we've had our share of conflict uh, whilst growing up and beyond. And I want to briefly talk about just that uh, relational type conflict that occurs within families, okay? There's many uh, kinds of conflict. And some of it's really unhealthy and not, not helpful at all. But uh, I just want, just want to talk about the re- reality of relational conflict. Because my first point really is that uh, conflict isn't just possible. It's inevitable when we dwell together, okay, particularly in families. And uh, so we can bank on the fact that we're going to get conflict eventually. And, uh, you know, when Jesus said, you know, we're two or three gather together in my name. There I am in their midst. I believe he could have said really the same thing about conflict. When you get two or three people, there will be conflict. Sometimes we're conflicted just within ourselves. You add another person or two or three into that equation, and the conflict is, becomes even more inevitable. And it's often been said that those that are closest to us hurt us the most because Definitely. of the familiarity, the proximity, you know, and we, we kind of care what uh, those people think the most. You know, when you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, you know, you just give them a wave and you generally move on. But when it's your family, when it's your friends, those you're in relationship with, even the small things that they do can become so much more intense. And so conflict is inevitable in a family. Um, And I want to say this, conflict isn't a bad thing. You know, we often think that if there's conflict, something's gone wrong. Well, it may be that something's gone wrong, but the, the presence of conflict in the family isn't a problem. It actually can be a good thing. Um, remember the old saying that peace is often found on the other side of war. Okay, and we certainly know what war is all about in our family. <laughs> but the point of it is to get to the peace on the other side. And, um, you know, whilst conflict's never fun and no one really enjoys is does anyone here enjoy conflict? I don't, but the good thing about conflict is it always sparks real communication, doesn't it? You know, you always, it always gets you talking, it always, and even if it's not always helpful or, you know, the nicest thing that you could say, it certainly gets real communication happening, and so uh, conflict can be actually a, a good thing, it's certainly not a bad thing in a family, um, Do you know when people say, oh, we've been married? Like, you might be speaking to a new couple, a newly married couple, or even a couple that's been together for a while, and they say, do you know what? We've never had a fight. And my response is, well, do you guys talk at all? Do you live together? Do you know how long have you really, how well do you really know each other? Because when people say that they've never had a fight, really, it says to me, if you've not crossed that bridge together, you know, what kind of a relationship do you really have? If it hasn't been through the fire, hasn't been through the storm together, you haven't really encountered that person. And so I just want to say that conflict isn't just possible, it is inevitable. Um, don't try to avoid conflict because conflict is coming. How are your fathers? Are we having a good day so far? <laughs> conflict is coming. Second, I just want to say, and Pete talked a little bit about this before, but, but to deal with conflict. And conflict isn't the problem, really unresolved conflict is the problem in families. Now Jesus said that blessed are the peacemakers, and for the benefit of those in the back, I said peacemakers, not the the (laughs) cheesemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, and usually in a family, it's the parents. I'm talking about a family with young kids perhaps. Usually it's the parents that are the peacemakers. In our home, dad was the peacemaker. Dad made peace. He was like, like the UN. No, no, he worked. He would just send in the troops. It didn't matter what broke out. Dad, if, if noise broke out in our house, if there was conflict, usually between these guys, that's true, I was kind of like, you know, the guys, I always sided with one or the other. I was a bit like Italy, you know, I'd always just go with the, the guy that was winning. And... Um, If conflict broke out in our house, Dad would come and make peace. And it didn't matter who, who started it, who said what, who did what. Dad was like this brilliant, skillful investigator. He always had this way of getting right to the bottom of the matter. He just was able to sort it out straight away. And he would deal with it. Dad would deal with our, with our conflicts. Because the thing is that conflict doesn't just go away by itself. You have to make that peace. You've got to say or do something. And to not say or do anything really doesn't make that conflict get better. It makes things get worse. And so I just want to encourage you, if I've learned anything, is just to get the ball rolling somehow. Bring that thing up, talk about it, talk it through, get it sorted out. And when you've uh, made that peace, then another thing Pete did mention was just about making up. Don't just make the peace and then leave it. That you have got to genuinely make up, and that was something that we were also uh, was very much important to us as a family. It was something that was always insisted upon, and sometimes it was always even um, just a little bit forced. And I think that's sometimes necessary when your kids growing up. Your kids have to be taught how to make up, and Dad taught us how to make up. Sometimes it was in the spur of the moment when he was just still tearing us apart from each other. And he'd literally have to say, Hey, you boys. (laughs) He'd say, Stop that. Now give your brother a big hug. He'd make us hug. And he'd say, Right now, tell him you're sorry and that you love him. Sorry. Love you. <laughs> it didn't kind of look all that genuine to the outsider. But Dad was teaching us the process of reconciliation. Not just making the peace, but then to actually go that step further. Now, that was in the moment, but do you know what? Dad would always come back later after the, the sort of the peace had been made and we'd kind of gone back and scurried away under a sheet of corrugated iron or something. <laughs> what Dad would always do... He, brilliant at coming right down again and he would get us to, together talk to us explain know, clarify we knew what, what happened he said well, why, why do you think uh, do, do you know why I did what I did there's only ever one answer yes <laughs> if he asked you to explain it further well you just do it all Kids, good, good kids say isn't it? Jesus died on the cross <laughs> but, doesn't matter if you throw that out there. But Dad would talk to us about the value of apologising and then giving forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, asking for forgiveness and bestowing that on someone. And so Dad was great at just teaching us the value of completing that whole process of not just you know keeping the peace but resolving things and then getting you back to that place of genuine friendship And that's one thing that we still have today, is just genuine friendship with each other, able to deal with that sort of thing. I just want to say this. I think the main problem in families today, and and probably in the world in general, isn't the the presence of conflict in the family, but it's the absence of real forgiveness. Not able to actually get to that place of uh, putting something to bed and moving on, and putting those things out of your mind. I just want to say this one, one thing as I wrap up here, because uh, I'm mindful that what we experienced as kids wasn't uh, everyone's reality, wasn't normal for everybody. Some of you are probably quite glad about that. But it was normal for us. And I want to say find a way to implement these things in a way that's going to work for you. You know, we all we'll have different personalities, different characteristics, different family makeups, but find a way. That so you can implement this kind of thing in your family. Don't expect perfection from people, uh, but learn to truly forgive and then just do it. Thank you. Yes. Anya yes.
1: Enjoying this? Yes. It's helpful? You know, we're not a perfect family by any stretch of the imagination, and many of you would say yes and amen, we know, Tony, move on. But I think what you're seeing here is unique, and I don't want you to take every little word of every sentence we've said and use that against us. I want you to look at the bigger picture here. What Baz has just shared, there has been some incredible conflict. The thing that got me through it is knowing that I've always been right. Not really, but I can honestly say that for whatever we've been through, there is a reality of forgiveness, there is a reality of love, there is a reality of moving on. See, what we've done in this politically correct world in which we live, we've made it all about what you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to smack, you're not allowed to do this, not, you know what, And we've got the main point, we don't deal with anything anymore. And so we've got all these families that don't do a whole heap of things, but they still hold on and harbor unforgiveness and bitterness. And there are brothers and sisters and there are mums and dads and husbands and wives that cannot look at each other, let alone talk to each other anymore. And it was never God's intent. God wants us to be able to live together. And uh, I trust that some of the things we've shared have been helpful (laughs) Um, I was just going to quickly talk about family ties, some things that can help keep us together. Uh, one of those things would be just create memories, you know. I hope you're enjoying the photos um, up there. there. There's a little Mitch, which is actually me and my dad, and there's me and Pete. Um, Baz was obviously off somewhere just being good, where Pete, me and Pete were being dirty, <laughs> so um, as was often the case. So, and I will say this, me and Pete definitely got in more trouble than Baz did, so um, he was just... Uh, the goody tissues of the family, so he's <laughs> awesome. Um, but create memories. You know, if you, if you get around a, a rainbow mealtime, you'll be you'll be entertained for hours. As we talk about some of the things that are high on our memory list and uh, for us going away we didn't have a lot of money but you know holidays and time spent with family was really important to us and for us it was all about more remote the remoter the better so we didn't want toilets we didn't need this we didn't need people we just needed remote places so we can pitch a tent and uh, we'll dig a hole and we'll bury our poo and, and we'll, be, we'll just do life and, and so of course whenever we would go there'd be long grasses we'd be in the middle poor of summer mum. and we'd say and we'd say sorry? poor mum poor mum yes spare a thought for our mother and um, we would say what about the snakes don't don't worry about snakes they're more scared of you than you are of them so just when you walk from your tent to the beach and you walk through the long grasses just stomp your feet and make lots of noise walking that's what we did go to the beach and and you know what when I'm in long grass and it's a hot day I find myself that's what I do And people look at me like, what do you do? I said, don't you know that's what you do to keep snakes away? You stomp your feet and you make noise. Didn't your dad teach you that? (laughs) Great memories. Create memories for your kids. Create memories for your kids. Spend time with your kids. I thank God that we had a mum who was present. She didn't go out into the workforce, she was a stay at home mum, and I thank God for that. But not only that, I had a dad who had a business, but he owned the business. The business didn't own him. And so he was around. And I thank God for that. He was present in our lives. And that meant he was there for us when we needed to have the chats, when we needed to have the fun. We would play all sorts of games and have plenty of times just messing around together, which was fantastic. And the other thing I just want to reiterate in closing is bringing God into the every ordinary day things that you do. Christianity should never be about Sunday morning at church and it was never that for Dad. It was a priority on his agenda as it is mine, as it is Pete's, as it is Baz's. But it's got to go beyond that. And I would encourage you fathers to use everyday moments to teach your kid about godly things Jesus was brilliant at this he'd be walking past trees and he'd say see that fig tree and he'd do a lesson in life about fig trees and he'd bring a meaning to it he would talk about sheep he'd talk about fish to fishermen he'd talk about sheep to the shepherds and he would use those moments to teach his kids and dad was brilliant at just using everyday moments to teach us about the things of God I remember many years ago when Mitchie was sitting in the back of our car and he was playing with 20 cents which was his tithe off his pocket money and he was putting it in his mouth, and Mum said, "Get the money out your mouth. You swallow it." And, and he goes, "No, you know, kids, you no." Know, just... And then all of a sudden, we went down. He started choking and gagging, and got very worried. Had a bit of a bit of a you know hit on the back and spit the uh, twenty cents up. And Mum, as quick as anything, looks at Mitch and said, "See, if you consume the tithe, it's going to make you sick. Don't consume what belongs to God." Mitchell was going. <laughs> <laughs> got it. <laughs> but make the Bible live. Don't make it boring. Pete said something really interesting. I hope you got it. When we were in our teenage years, we came to Christ. In our early years, we watched Dad, and as a result of his example, we came to Christ. We came to church. I remember being 15 years of age, saying, "Dad." I, I, I want to start my journey with Jesus. I, I, I want to go to church. And Dad was reckoning that our church wasn't the place for us. It wasn't, you know, I said, Dad, you've, got to, you've, you've talked about you and me trusting you. Now you've got to trust me. Same for Pete and same for Baz. What happens often is that they're made to go to church when they're younger. But they see mum and dad at home, and then when they get to teenage years, they don't want to go to church. The exact opposite happened for us. We were never made to go to church, but we made the decision based upon an example. Will you please stand with me? Kids, you have been brilliant. You've been so good, so well behaved. Let's give a round of applause for our kids. Hello, kids. We're just going to move into the dedication side of uh, our meeting. It won't take too long. But I want to just close with this story. There was a young boy who was struggling to pick up a heavy stone. And his dad was watching his young boy struggling. And his dad said to his young son, Son, are you using all your strength? And with that, the kid tried just a little bit harder. And puffing and panting, he said to his dad, Yes, Dad, I'm using all my strength. And his dad looked at his son lovingly and said, No, you're not, son, because you haven't asked for my help. The message of Christianity is us surrendering and asking God for his help. God does not want us to do life alone. And God does not want us to do families alone. I want to encourage you to invite God in. And I want to invite you to invite other people into your life to help you do what you can't do in your own strength. I've got a couple of families that are going to stand up here in a moment with their new additions to the family. And they're not going to be able to be the parents that God wants them to be without God's help and without the help of the church and good family and friends. And I don't believe any of us can be. Can I pray? Father, I want to thank you for your incredible goodness and grace. And I pray that through all that's been shared this morning, something of your word and heart and love for people would resonate in our spirits. That we would not do life alone, But we invite you in, not just once, but every day of our lives. I pray your richest blessing upon every person in this place today. For the men, the women, the mums, the dads, and the kids. Your richest blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen.
0: This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.